Welcome back. It's time to swim out into the sea of ideas and see if we can uh, grab our board and catch a wave with the one man who I think I think this is the best way to put it today. He is on fire with new ideas here today, Matt Hines. On fire. My goodness. How are we doing, Paul? <laughs> well, we're on fire down here, I'll tell you. We got the skies are so cloudy, you would think it's day nighttime here in Southern California. Come on. You're a lying liar. I can no. see behind you the sun coming Oh, in. no, right there. See, we got all the smoke-filled skies, uh, and I know it's terrible in Northern California. Biggest fires we've ever had in uh, California. It's, it's crazy. It's scary. Well, I'm coming down your way in a couple of days there, Paul. We got the... Uh, the annual Heinz marketing, or not sorry, not Heinz marketing. The annual Heinz family San Diego trip. We're ah, coming down to okay. North County, gonna just sit at the beach for a week. So I'm hoping it's not too bad. All but, right, uh, hopefully we'll clear up the skies by then. Here, I appreciate that. Appreciate you. Everyone for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Very excited to have you here. We have an increasing number of people listening to us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network. If you are with us live today, thank you very much for joining us. We are broadcasting live today. Uh, it is 11:30 Pacific, but it is 2:30 Eastern here in New York City. We are on the East Coast for a series of events and conferences this week, winding down tonight. And uh, excited to be with you. If you're joining us from the uh, from the podcast and from the uh, podcast podcast recordings, you can catch us anytime at iTunes Store, Google Play, uh, all the places you can find find podcasts and every episode of Heinz Marketing. Or excuse me, Sales Pipeline Radio. Got too many brands here, Paul. Sales Pipeline Radio. Every episode, past, present, and future, you can find at salespipelineradio.com. Each week, we are featuring some of the best and brightest names and voices and thought leaders in sales and marketing and B2B. Today is no different. Very excited. And also, Paul, as we record this, it's mid-August. The college football season is coming up again. Wow. uh, Coming up here again. We have a proud... A uh, member of the f- Fighting Irish Navy or nation uh, from University of Notre Dame, uh, Guy Wisemansolf, who is the currently the CMO at Pushbay. Guy, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, great to be with you, Matt. So to start off with, I know we didn't talk about this before, but do you have a prediction for Fighting Irish football here in the 2018 season? Uh, you know, the, the, my Irish have disappointed me repeatedly. We get uh, late in the season and we're right in the hunt, and then we seem to fall flat. So. I've probably given up predicting. Uh, I feel good about the last game of the year at USC, though. I always feel good about the game against the Trojans, so I like our chances there. So there's a there's a, a podcast called The Solid Verbal that I listen to, and it's all about college yeah. football. And um, you know, one of the guys um, he went to Penn State, uh, but his favorite team growing up was Notre Dame, and that's still his favorite team. And he's just you know he he's his ups and downs are are quite dramatic each week as they even if they win if they don't win well enough he's just he's just a basket case. So uh, uh, I don't know college football is going to be a lot of fun to watch. My wife feels. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yes, Paul. I have to interject that I was accepted at the University of Notre Dame, but I chose to go to the University of Michigan here at the last minute. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, so I've been very torn. Whoever wins that uh, <laughs> that uh, ball game, that's who I root for for the rest of the year here. Great way to start the year in week one. We got uh, Michigan yeah. and Notre Dame. I'm so excited for college football. But today today I want to talk about B2B marketing. Guy, I was very excited to have you on the call. You have, or on the show, you have... You have been you've led marketing at pretty much all the big marketing companies or all the big uh, you know technology companies in town. You've been at Egencia, which is part of Expedia. You've been at Vertifor, which was acquired recently. You were at Microsoft for a long time, and in many of those case, cases, you know you're selling into enterprise organizations. Very different at Pushpay. Can you talk a little bit about what Pushpay is and what some of the primary marketing challenges that you guys are facing these days? Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been at Pushpay for about six months, and it's a 
it's a really interesting company. Company really fast, uh, fast growth, fast business. Uh, started out with two co-founders in New Zealand who came to the U.S. And they, it's a really, really different niche and, and one that I um, hadn't had a chance to market into before because Pushpay is really focused on um, uh, kind of uh, a philanthropic marketplace around churches and schools and nonprofit organizations. And so you're right, like coming, you know, and building a career at, at big companies like Microsoft and Expedia and, um, and, and having, you know, the multi, multi-million dollar, you know, 18-month sales deals is um, a little bit more what I've been used to. But I've also had, you know, some startup experience in the past and, Pushpay is a really interesting blend of, of both of them. The, the product itself is a, a donor management and engagement solution. It's a, it's a platform and it's an app, and it really lives within the organization to allow them to both manage all of the contributions that they receive and also you know, works to help them uh, increase and move, move givers kind of off of cash and check and into a digital environment. Um, and the company was you know, a half a million dollars in revenue about five years ago, and now it's uh, trending this year for $100 million in revenue. So it's incredibly fast growing, incredibly excited, uh, exciting times at the company. But um, it is a really different type of customer uh, to try to market to. It's not your traditional B2B tech customer that I know a lot of your listeners and myself are, are used to marketing into. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, even though you, you kind of know uh, what you're getting into when you, when you take on a, a new job and a new responsibility and a new team, and there's all those kind of same building blocks, it's been a ton of learning for me to kind of, you know, Go, go back a little bit and roll back what I thought I knew and what, uh, you know, a lot of the technology that I'm used to buying as a marketer and, and selling as a marketer, you know, um, the, the, the uh, table stakes are a little bit different and the things that our customers respond to and prospects respond to are a little different than I've been used to as well. So I imagine there are things that are some, some, some things that are similar, right? I mean, there's still a buying journey. There's still uh, sort of discovery stages. There's still personas or the people that you're going to want to engage with. Uh, but when you're selling into nonprofits and, and part of not you know, selling into churches, what are some things that stand out that are different in terms of decision making, in terms of the approach you had to take to to build pipeline? Yeah, so you're, you, I mean, you're definitely right about the first part. Like it, it you know, it we, we we have product marketing, we have demand generation. You know, you have all the same type of go to market motions, and and people ultimately we're all consumers, and so we, we go through an education process, we go through an evaluation process, at some point we're ready to make a decision, we might negotiate on price. You know, so all of that are, and, and the marketing skills you accumulate and the team you build, you know, you're looking for those really, really great marketing skills to do that. The, the kind of the, the tweak or the difference, which I've found, and you see it in other industries as well, you mentioned Vertifor, you know, when you sold it to insurance companies, they had a lot of the same characteristics that a, a nonprofit or a church might have, or you know, you see it in other professional uh, organizations as well. You have people like um, physicians, doctors, lawyers who are really great at their subject matter expertise, but are not, you know, not as savvy on the technology side because that's not the primary thing that they're concerned with. They're concerned with, you know, representing their clients or selling an insurance policy or, you know, saving a life. And so mm-hmm. um, when you get into these nonprofit organizations, you've got, you know, a little bit of a similar profile. Like they're um, you know, they've, they've organized to, you know, feed homeless people or, or you know, get clean uh, drinking water to people who don't have it. And that, that's really why they've formed together or kind of the, the goal or mission of their organization, of their church, of their whatever. And so the kind of the traditional, you know, B2B ROI, you know, kind of, uh, you know, here's how much you will save. Here's the, the latest feature. Here's the awesome thing that we can do that no one else can do. Sometimes that, that's that's not as interesting to them, you know, because that's not what they're focused on and that's not what they're evaluated on, especially when you get into a, a philanthropy or, or nonprofit type of environment. Um, 
you know, that, that's, that's of secondary importance to them. And so it's really, that's part of the education process is, okay, you know, just because push pay might be the biggest or have the most customers and, and have some qualities that might be interesting and impressive to, you know, if we were in a different marketplace, oftentimes they're, they're far less interesting to the people that we're trying to sell into today. And so from a marketing perspective, I think that there's applicability like this in every industry. You know, we, we can get to the CFO or the CEO or, or, you know, the IT person if we're selling a piece of technology. But we all have, and I've experienced this, and I certainly have in, in previous roles as well, that, that one persona called the gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper, gatekeeper, we all know, doesn't often have budget responsibility. Um, they don't even have decision-making authority, but they can stop you in your tracks, and you can't get around them. And in, you know, a church or a nonprofit organization, the gatekeeper is often, you know, the most important person. In our case, it's, it's often someone, and I found this in insurance as well, an insurance agency, it's someone who's, you know, been around for, for quite some time, has a lot of tenure in their role, um, is really comfortable with the status quo. And so, again, telling them about, you know, the, the latest and greatest and 20% more and 30% more, that's not as interesting to them. They're, they're not mm-hmm. as impressed by those sorts of things. And, and whether you're in a nonprofit or in for-profit, that gatekeeper role, you know, is, is just magnified in, in this side of the marketing, um, you know, the marketing lane. And that's been the most interesting thing for me to kind of discover in my first few quarters on the job here. Uh, that's fascinating. We're talking to Guy Wisemandel. He's the CMO at PushPay today. We're talking a little bit about, you know, different uh, go-to-market approaches when you sort of get outside of sometimes the eco chamber that many of us work within, uh, you know, in SaaS companies and technology companies and sell into different different markets. Is 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 there a difference as well with an audience that maybe isn't doesn't have as much experience buying? Where, you know, if you're selling into a CMO, you're selling into a CIO, I mean, they're buying part of their job is buying things and supporting their organizations. Um, and then you go into a nonprofit where you've got an executive director, you go into a church and you're, you know, your decision maker is an executive pastor. Like their job is not buying stuff, right? Is, is there, right. are there, is there, is, is that true in, in the environment you're selling into? And if it is, is there a difference in the way that you approach that buyer? There absolutely is, and, and you know, I'll, I'll give some shades of gray. Like you know, in, in a larger nonprofit, in a, in a larger you know, school university, and in one, you know, in a mega church, those folks have you know really large staff, like 300, 400 people. So they'll behave like a, a pretty normal organization. And even in some kind of you know mid-sized uh, philanthropic organizations, you'll have people, and, and you see this a lot. And, and maybe some of the folks listening are, are do this on the side, where they have. You know, people that have come from kind of, you know, the for-profit side and now are in the nonprofit or faith side. And so they're bringing a ton of their expertise from their professional lives. And maybe they're volunteering. You know, they're serving in a volunteer role. And you see that a lot in these types of organizations. So on the one hand, there is a, you know, the same kind of degree of sophistication, especially as you get into these larger groups where they have full-time people on staff that are thinking about the same things that maybe a more traditional go-to-market, you know, um, approach would like the CMO like you talked about. If I'm yep. talking to a head of communications for a really large nonprofit or church, they have the same issues and they know the same things that I do as a CMO. But here's the here's the kind of the challenge. You, you do get, again, where you, whether it's the gatekeeper or where you get into a little bit of a smaller organization where, again, like we have had to, and, you know, I think done a, a pretty good job of it, but but had to kind of rebuild the approach to say, well, how, what makes this person interested or will kind of um, spur them to act? Because it's clearly not... Um, you know, kind of the, the traditional kind of approach of we can, we can do more for you because they're not looking for more profit, right? They don't really need more profit. Um, it, what, a lot of times what you, what you find is, you know, it's around how do we save you time? You know, I'll give you a great example. For, for a lot of our churches, you know, they'll, they'll have a service on Sunday 
and they'll have a collections and they'll collect you know money and donations and giving from all the people that are there. And then for the bookkeeper, most of their Monday and sometimes part of Tuesday is all the you know the reconciliation, financial reconciliation of that. And that is a huge you know part of their time. If I can cut that down by 50, 60, 70 percent, now I have their attention. Now that's something that's interesting. So it's a twist on, hey, we can, you know, uh, you know, we can increase, you know, something by 50, 60, 70. It's actually, I can save you five hours out of your day. Is that interesting? Okay, that would be super interesting because I already don't like this part of my job anyway. And again, I think that's applicable in, in any industry. Sometimes it's not the most obvious thing in terms of the number, the bright, shiny number. It might be something kind of under the radar a little bit that actually is more qualitative and it goes to, you know, how they can be better at their job or be, you know, be, get, get recognition or accolades or save some time. And, mm-hmm. and those kind of fluffy, less quantitative things sometimes are what gets us through. Very interesting. I'm curious, sort of in terms of your internal culture as well, I think, you know, these, the, the organization is, you know, obviously a for-profit company and is, you know, uh, is trying to make money. I, I worked previously at a, uh, one of our clients was a company that was in the sort of church management software space, and it was founded mm-hmm. by uh, folks that had, a, you know, that were, that, 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 that um, you know, there was, they were trying to make money, but it was also, you know, there was a, there were Christian values that were being used and, 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 and followed within the organization. Did you find any of that at PushPay in terms of the, the founders or the reasons why this exists? And are there are there some vision, mission, um, some parts of the business that change at all how you go to market? There are there are some. I think PushPay has done a really good job from the beginning at really positioning itself as a technology company that serves these types of organizations and, and not an extension of these organizations. And there certainly are a number of you know, kind of, kind of groups that, you know, someone from uh, a church or a nonprofit decided, well, I, I should start a software company and I can, I can build an app or I can do something. There's a mm-hmm. lot of those things and their marketing yeah. will be reflective of that. You know, it's like uh, built by a pastor for pastors or, you know, built by, you know, an executive director and I know your market because I was in your market. And, and that certainly, you know, is the case in, in many places. But I think um, what the company realized early on is that this these types of organizations have, have really not been well served because, uh, but by the existing technology, because you have a lot of these small companies that don't have, you know, um, a development staff and a support staff and they can't keep innovating. So you end up in a situation where, um, you, you have a chance to kind of disrupt the status quo because you've got a lot of old, outdated, in many cases, on-premise technology. Um, and when you have these organizations that are trying to reach new people to give and donate their time and their money for the causes that they, they care about, um, mm-hmm. suddenly you can kind of come in with, you know, with a team that, that continually innovates, that um, brings kind of the same consumer experience that everyone already has on their phone to their nonprofit or church organization. And that becomes a different discussion that becomes really interesting. So I think, I think unlike other types of companies in this space that, you know, have a development staff of, you know, four or five or a dozen, you know, when you've got a, 150 developers and, and support staff that are thinking about this every day, that starts to impact them, the type of experience you can deliver to your customers. And I think there is a line. We're certainly, you know, a reflection of the people that we serve. Um, we want to, you know, make sure that we hew closely to the, to the values that they have, and, and they're going to be looking at that. And these types of organizations are very concerned about image, and um, that doesn't always go right for them. And so they, they definitely hold their vendors to a standard. But having said that, we're, you know, we want to make it clear that we're a public company and, you know, we don't, we don't play favorites or, you know, have anything like that. And, and we just want to make sure we are aligned with um, the goodness that a lot of these customers do. And I think from a marketing perspective, that's super interesting. I've never had the chance to 
align marketing with some of the, the amazing outcomes, you know, like building wells and feeding people and, and giving clothes to people who don't have any. That, that is really yeah. cool to market as well. That is really interesting stuff. We're going to have to take a quick break here and pay some bills. We'll be back more with Guy Wisemantle. He's the CMO of PushPay. We're going to talk more about what's working today in SaaS software sales. We're going to talk about team building and culture. Much more. We'll be right back. Sales Pipeline Radio. In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion? That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem, and it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide? It's free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z, marketing.com. All right, let's pick it back up. Paul, we might have to do like a college football (laughs) special edition of Sales Pipeline Radio. I am not kidding. Just it'd be super fun. We could invite. uh, I I know there's a number of. Maybe we'll bring guy back and we can bring him in mid season, and he'll either be gloating or he'll be commiserating. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, We can. You know, what's what I love about college football is like. You know, when you're a fan of a professional team, you know, people say, "Oh, well, people use the we and they 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 make themselves part of the team." It's like you didn't do anything, right? You're not part (laughs) of this team. We won this weekend. like you went there just yeah. like those kids are going there now like you, there is a we as part of that and i think that's what makes it so special i agree i never heard of that before i think you're onto something i got we got some okay we're gonna have to re- we're gonna have to schedule that in here at some point all right well we, we got a couple more minutes here with our guest today thank you so much everyone for joining us on sales pipeline radio today if you like what you're hearing you can definitely uh, get the copy of this episode on demand in a couple days at salespipelineradio.com coming up next week we've got norman bihar he's one of the founding partners of the sales readiness group he uh, is focused on sales training especially training sales managers so he's got some new research and some new insights we'll be talking about next week and then later on in the uh, end of of August, we've got Eli Cohen. He is the co-founder of Saleshood, which is a sales enablement and sales training platform. We're going to talk about a new book he's got coming out around employee enablement, sales enablement, sales operations. That's really, really good. But a little more today with Guy Wise Mansell. He is the CMO at PushPay and been at the company for six months or so. Talk a little bit about team building and culture within marketing. What were, you know, what were some of your priorities and strategies coming in and what have you prioritized putting in place in the first half of the year? was really great to in, kind of inherit and, and come on board with a, with a really good team in place, a team that had helped build the company up to where it's been. But I think like you know, a lot of companies that, that kind of get to this level, you know, the early stage growth where there's no competition, you kind of just are in huge just customer acquisition mode. And now it's a crowded market. A lot of companies have seen the success that PushPay has had and, you know, and, and the buyers start to get more sophisticated. And so one of the reasons that I, I was really excited to join when I did was that the company's at a really great inflection point to kind of switch over. And, and we do, you know, we do things like ABM and, and we think about, you know, like going deep on our buyer personas and we've got to build out things like product marketing where 
as before, you know, if it was just like, hey, let's just run, you know, paid search and just do Facebook ads and people will just kind of flock to us. Now it's a little bit more outbound focused where we're having to go really engage with people, educate them on why push pay and then, you know, kind of get them over to sales and, and keep the train moving so we can continue the pace of growth. And so as you think about, you know, that sort of situation coming into it, that kind of dictates the, the skill set and the type of talent that you, uh, you, know, you need to bring on. And I was really clear with um, Chris Heaslip, our CEO, who's phenomenal guy and you know talked to him for several months before coming on and I, and I told him at the beginning I was you know I'm not interested in building kind of the best nonprofit church marketing team I'm interested in building the best marketing team he's a huge fan of marketing and, and wholeheartedly supports um, you know what we're doing here in the company and so the one maybe different lens and it's it's not an exclusive because you know I think we all look at this market we want the best people right but at pushpay anyway just because of the customers we serve and it's not kind of this you know, generic like auto manufacturer or, you know, telecom provider. These are organizations that many people and employees here belong to and participate in. And so while not having any sort of filter on, hey, do you go to church or do you give to nonprofits? It is important that we can put ourselves in our customer's shoes. And again, that's no different than any other company. And so I didn't have to pass any special tests to come here. But I I think it is important that if we're going to be able to tell those stories and position how we can help, Again, in not an overbearing way, because you have customers that, in some cases, recoil a little bit if they think you're being too heavy-handed and because they don't have the same profit motive maybe that push pay does, that we've got to be able to walk a mile in our customers' shoes, and we've got to be able to understand what motivates them and, and have a kind ear for that. And so that's really been the only other filter that I've applied other than I just want people who you know, love to win, who are really good at what they do, have an open mind in terms of learning and you know, we've been able to recruit really, really well because how different this kind of opportunity is. Because again, it's just not that often where you can see the direct result of someone using your product is, you know, clean drinking water. And and that's just a great experience. You'll have lots of other experiences I can I can recruit, you know, people again. So I do a lot of other things, but for this experience, what you do is gonna have a direct impact on doing some good in the world, which I think we'd all agree is a good thing right now. And so that's really attractive for people to say, wow, I can tell great stories, which is what marketing's about. I can have the latest tools, and we've done a lot of investment in, in a lot of the, the vendors and tools that everyone else is using. And we can do it in a way that we've got a kind eye toward you know, people doing good in, in the world, and that's a really cool combination. Just a couple more minutes before you have to wrap up here. I'm curious, as you look into this, you know, we're well into Q3 now, um, as you look at their second half of the year into next year, what are some of the things that you think are going to continue to be challenging or a challenge that emerges that you're, you're thinking about in advance and trying to address specifically around sort of your go-to-market strategy? Yeah, there's more and more competitors are coming in as they see the opportunity. Some of them, you know, are free. You know, you kind of have this premium type of competitor and Push pays a more premium size competitor that lives at the you know the middle and top end of the market. So you know we're always looking at how do you compete with free when someone doesn't know the difference. And so a lot of our challenge is around education and getting to that customer first so that we can kind of make sure they understand why we're different and why that difference matters and and why they could be willing to pay for that. And so you always have really big organizations that take a look at this space and, and the success and go, wow, maybe we should get into that as well. And so you see a bit of that happening. But for us, you know, even as fast as we've grown, we, we have a fraction of the marketplace. It's a huge addressable market. So for us, it's really around how do we implement some of these amazing marketing systems that many of your listeners are using today and apply them to really keep our growth supercharged, you know, while we pay attention to the folks that are circling us. And when you're a leader, that, that's what happens. So um, that's what's on plate for, for the rest of this year, for sure. 
I love it. Last question for you here. With Guy, last question for Guy Wise Mantle, CMO of Push Bay. We asked many of our guests. You know, if you look across your career and the people you've learned from, who are a couple of people that maybe stand out? You know, either uh, they could be professors, they could be authors, they could live or dead. Who are some of the people that have really influenced you in your marketing career that you might recommend other people check out as well? Yeah, there's a professor. He's at, he was at Kellogg where I went. His name is Steve Rogers. He's at, he was at Harvard last time I looked. Brilliant B-School professor. Published. Just a great guy. And I, I owe a lot to him because when I was working at a startup with my dad, we knew nothing about going to get money. And, and this guy took a chance and helped me kind of outline what a business plan should look like and help me get it written and let me pitch kind of ideas to kind of get ready. I, I owe a lot of my early career to, to someone like that. And then um, there's a, another gentleman by the name of Dave Kellogg, who many of your listeners listeners may know, and Dave's been around Silicon Valley in, in a number of different capacities. Really, a really great, hard-nosed, strong, you know, uh, CMO, VP of marketing when I was at Business Objects, who really drilled into me the importance of messaging and positioning and getting that right for your customer. And those two people are, are people that have really had an inf- impact and influence on my career as I've kind of been able to go forward as well. Love it. Thank you for sharing that today. And thanks, guys, so much for joining us on another episode of Love Sales Pipeline Radio. Guys. If you like what you hear, you want to share this with some of your team, share this with some of your colleagues. In a couple of days, we'll have this episode available on demand up at salespipelineradio.com. We'll also take a transcript of this and put some of the highlights up at HeinzMarketing.com uh, the beginning of the following week. Join us the next couple of weeks. We had a lot of great guests. We finish up our summer of pipeline here. But for my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio from the good folks at Matt Hines Marketing, right here on the Funnel Radio channel for at-work listeners like you.